We turn now to John chapter 10, verses 7 through 11. We're moving through this passage. And once again, understanding Jesus is going to explain the parable we looked at last week. What is, what is he talking about? More details about what is he talking about when he talks about being a shepherd we, and us being sheep. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you that we are the sheep of your pasture. And we, Lord, we would be faithful sheep. So give us ears to hear now what you, our shepherd, are saying. May we follow after the good shepherd. May we follow hard after him, for he is worthy and we can trust him. Bless your people now. Fix us, help us, do all that we need done, Lord. You know better than we do what we need. So, Lord, help us. Only we turn to you. In Christ's name we pray. Use your unworthy servant. Amen. John chapter 10, beginning the reading of verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. Father, thank you for this word. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, praise team. Thank you so much. What is the good life? How would you describe it? Think about it. Many say it's the American dream, owning your own home, having a good career, family, sexual freedom, lots of free time to pursue interests and the money to do it. Amen to that. The book, which, I, which is a fascinating study, the book called The Good Life, shows the results of the longest scientific study of happiness ever conducted. It brings together other studies within it. It was sponsored by Harvard University, uh, and it, be, it was part of their Harvard study of adult development began in 1938, and it's still going on. They asked... They wanted to study the question, what made people thrive? In 2007, they did a survey of millennials. They were asked about their most important life goals. 76% of millennials said that becoming rich was their most important goal. 56% said a major goal was becoming famous. The study says that more than a decade later, after millennials had spent more time as adults, Similar questions were asked again in a pair of surveys. They came back, followed up 10 years later. Fame was now lower on the list. <laughs> but the top goals, again, included things like making money, having a successful career, and becoming debt-free. Now, here's what the survey has said. These are common and practical goals that extend across generations 
and borders. So we all feel that way. It says, this, this, so over time, we develop the subtle but hard to shake feeling that our life is here and now. And the things we need for a good life are over there or in the future. Always just out of reach. Always just out of reach. The good life. What's your definition, I ask again? Here's a question. If you had to make one life choice right now, one life choice, to set yourself on the path to future health and happiness, what would that choice be? You only get one, sorry. One choice right now, before you left this service, to, get, to, to set your future for life and happiness, what would that choice be? They ask that question too. Hmm. I'm, I'm letting that float around in my mind, so forgive me. But here's the thing. I think it would be safe to say that Jesus' understanding of the good life for his sheep may actually be different from what many people are instinctively looking for. Might be different. And God isn't playing a mystery game with us here. He's not playing clue with us to say, you can't guess, guess what it is, people. He's not playing mystery game with us. He shows us what the good life really is as we respond to his shepherding love. You see, the good life is life in the pen. As followers of Jesus, remember, we follow someone who's also called the lamb. <laughs> Isn't that funny? We're sheep, we're following the lamb. Wow. We're all sheep. And as you saw last time, animal sheep have certain qualities that we share spiritually with them. It's not very flattering, but God calls us sheep for a reason. Remember what those, what those qualities were? Um, timid, easily frightened, defenseless, no claws, no fangs, no stinger. We can't defend ourselves against the spiritual darkness that attacks us every day. We can't even defend ourselves against our own heart. And most of all, sheep are dense, easy led astray. Sheep will, I'm, I'm going to expand this a little bit more because this is important. Sheep will wander from good grazing land into wasteland looking for greener grass. You're sitting here, you're eating, and it's amazing. They have been known, listen to this, they have been known to follow one another into death. I came across an article in CBS News. Uh, it was, it's recorded in the book, While Shepherds Watch Their Flocks. This happened in Istanbul, Istanbul, Turkey, in July of 2005. First one sheep jumped to its death, then another and another, and then and dozens more. Having left their herds to graze while they ate breakfast, stunned Turkish shepherds now watched as nearly 1,500 other sheep leapt, leapt off the same cliff. The first 450 animals died under the billowy pile. The sheep had been, were allowed to wander into the wrong trail. Shepherds weren't paying attention. Unaware of what lay ahead, each one simply followed the next, only to perish in the valley below. It is a curious behavior of sheep that once one picks a trail, 
The rest simply follow the tail in front of them without regard for their destination. And God calls us sheep. We're sheep because we need a shepherd. We need the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, Jesus, to be, if I wasn't clear enough. God the Father sends us the good shepherd, not only to save us from our enemies, but to save us from ourselves. But how do we get into his pen? How do we get into his pen? First thing, Jesus is the door to the true good life. There are actually two I am statements in this section, two, which it says seven through nine, I'm looking at right now. Uh, remember the I am phrase, remember what that's about, right? Just in case you were here, you haven't heard this before, most of you I'm sure have, but the I am statements in John's gospel, we already looked at a couple, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world. Uh, those I am statements refer to the burning bush that Moses, when Moses met God at that burning bush in Exodus, God said, tell them, I am that I am. Jesus is identifying himself with that I am. He's, he's saying to the, to the people of that day who, who knew the Old Testament better than we do, in some sense. But they don't see Jesus, so we know it better, actually, because we see Jesus. But that's another story. He's, they knew exactly what he was probably hinting at, and it drove them mad. Jesus is identifying himself as God. And now he says, as our God, he is the I am the door. He is the divine door for his sheep to enter God's flock, God's sheep pen. The sheep pen is the church within the kingdom of God. Remember, the whole universe makes up all of God's kingdom. He is king over all he surveys, he, and he surveys everything. But sin caused rebellion and decay to enter into that kingdom temporarily. So to enter the kingdom now is to live under God's rule, under God's reign, under God's king, who is Jesus. It is to, it is to say that it is to pray the Lord's prayer and live it. Hallowed be thy name, holy be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And we display this relationship to the king of the kingdom by coming into his church, the visible outpost of the kingdom. We come into the pen. We in, now, to enter the sheep pen, Jesus says, is therefore, is to be saved. But Jesus is saying there's only one way into this salvation, and that is through the door. Through him, the only way. Once again, you might remember last week that I mentioned there were two types of sheep pens. Remember from last week? The parable of verses 1 through 5 spoke of an enclosed structure, structure with a door and a watchman. It was likely in the cities, remember? It was a public pen for various flocks at one time. But now he changes, he goes to the second type of pen here. Here our Lord is referencing the pen in the wilderness, out in the fields. It was an enclosure of rocks or stones piled up high, but there was actually no door, just an opening, just an opening. The shepherd at night 
would lie down across the opening with his own body. Are you following me? The only way for a sheep to get out was to step over the shepherd. One shepherd said, no wolf comes, comes in unless he crosses my body. So out in the wilderness, the shepherd himself becomes the door. And Jesus identifies with that imagery. He is that place where the sheep are protected, literally, by his own body. He, as Ephesians 2.18 says, it is through him, through Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. How do you get to access to God? How do you get into the kingdom? How do you get into the church to be near God and his people? You got to go through the door who is Jesus. Later, Jesus will say he is the way to the Father, the truth and the life. The Gospel Transformation Bible, which is a nifty study Bible, if you don't have one, it's really nifty. It says this, the sheephole was commonly attached at times to the shepherd's home. To enter the sheepfold was to come home. As the door of the sheep, Jesus is the only means of coming home to God, of becoming a member of the household of faith. You know, Jesus is the way, the door to your true home in God's family. Home. Whatever your outward economic or social status, if you are a sheep of Jesus, you have a place and a people and a father in him. But you have to enter the door through faith, trust, trust alone in who Jesus is and what he has done. Is he your good shepherd? My wife and I rented an apartment for the first couple, couple or three years of our marriage. But when we bought our first home in South Jersey, it was special. We shouldn't have bought that home. I have got to be honest with you, it was too far away. We made the mistake that so many make, and we never did it again. We moved away from our church rather than closer to it because we were chasing the American dream. We were chasing the home. We had that. We had that. We, see, I know what I'm talking. We had to have that house because that represented status. That represented, hey, we've made it. We, you know, we, we were moving on up from the hood. We were, I, I was out of the hood, baby. I could walk around my house. Outside, that is, outside. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 and so I, I had, we, so we, so we, not, our hearts were in the wrong place because again, what's the good life? We bought that home, but it was home. It was home. It wasn't an apartment, Elder Gilbert, Sister Carol. It was home. There's nothing like owning your own home, isn't it? I mean, there's a special place in there. Here we began our family. And even today, no matter where we go in the country and even the world, there's still no place like home. Let me be clear. An apartment is home. If you never own a building, your apartment is home. Don't believe the world's hype. Don't get sucked into it like we did for that moment of craziness. Wherever you live, 
Let it be home. But there's a better home. You see, this is what keeps us on the right path. We got to realize there's a better home. And that home is Jesus, y'all. Jesus is home. You were wandering in the desert of sin, dehydrated, exhausted, hot, but then you entered the door of the Lord's sheep pen and you finally had a home. You could finally rest. You could finally be at peace. But I have to ask you, are you a sheep? Are you a sheep? Because only sheep can enter this door. He's the door for the sheep. Not for the goats, not for the wolves. He's the door for the sheep. And sheep are those people who admit they need a divine savior. Sheep are humble people who recognize that they can't fix their lives, who recognize that everything they do to try to fix their lives without the good shepherd will fail. If you're honest, we're frustrated. Because we've been chasing the good life and we just can't see. It's just out of reach. And even if we got the money, we think we want it. You see, you see it all the time. It's still out of our reach. Because it's more than money. Jesus, Jesus said there, there were many who had come before him among the Jewish people. He's speaking of the Pharisees in particular. They were the false shepherds, the thieves and the, and the robbers. They, 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 they led the people astray. And now we can say today now that there have been many who've come after Jesus too, who also have proved to be thieves and robbers who have led the sheep astray. Thieves and, listen to listen on, because thieves and robbers can be people false teachers, or false religions and false ideologies. They promise the good life, but in the end, they take your life. These false ideologies and false teachers rob you of your freedom. There are two types, basically. One, especially religious ideologies, there are two types of those. One preaches rules without grace. We call that legalism, right? The other preaches grace without responsibility. That's antinomianism, which means lawlessness. Lawlessness. One puts you in bondage to their rules. The other leaves you in bondage to your sins and desires. One works you to death. The other leaves you lazy. This is what religion without... A relationship to God through Jesus does to you. It puts you in one of those categories. Either you're working hard to make God happy. You're working, working, working into the kingdom, into heaven, into nirvana, into paradise, wherever you're trying to go. You're working more, do, do, do. Make God happy or the deity or the, or the cosmic all, whatever it is. Make that happy and then it will bless you. That's the legalistic side. And then the other side is the the outback theology. No rules, just right, baby. Whatever feels good to you, whatever makes you happy, doesn't hurt others, so and so. Whatever that that is, see, that's the other side. 
And, and, but here's the thing, both those ideologies, both those ways of trying to get to God, both those ways of trying to find the good life leave you dead. Sheep can't thrive under either one of those. Philip Keller, and you, 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 you must, I hope you read this book. A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, it's a classic now, really neat book. He was a shepherd who wrote on the psalm. He says this, In my memory, I can still see one of the sheep ranches in our district that was operated by, he called them a tenant sheepman. He ought never to have been allowed to keep sheep. His stock were always thin, weak, and riddled with disease or parasites. Again and again, they would come, the sheep now would come and stand at the fence staring blankly through the woven wire at the green, lush pastures that my flock enjoyed. Had they been able to speak, I'm sure they would have said, oh, to be set free from this awful owner, shepherd. You see, until you enter the Lord's pastures, you're like those sheep. And sadly, even some of us who have entered the Lord's pen, we, we end up being led astray because prone to wander. Remember, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We're still sheep and we still wander. And when we wander, sometimes we end up wandering into the place of leanness and into a place of thinness. And, we're, and we get parasites and we're, and we're hungry and we get lean of soul. And, we, and we're looking back at the people of God and we're... I wish I could be like so-and-so. They seem to have so much joy. That's because you went on the wrong side of the fence. You see, when you enter the kingdom of God by trusting Jesus through his work for you alone, you find true freedom in his pen. There's true freedom. There's true freedom here. And this leads, leads to my next point, my last point here this morning basically. Jesus is the essence slash giver of the true good life. There are some phrases you're going to see in a minute. In and out, pasture, abundance. That's what he talks about next. He says that the sheep will be able to go in and out. Verse 9, they're saved, will go in and out and find pasture. That phrase, in and out, is a Hebrew idiom, a Hebrew expression. And William Barclay says, it means to be able to come and go unmolested. It was the Jewish way of describing a life that is absolutely secure and safe. When people can go in and out without fear, it means that their country's at peace, that the forces of law and order are supreme, and that they enjoy perfect security. It means the leaders of this particular country have the affairs of their nation under control. You see, Jesus is saying, in my kingdom, there's law and order. <laughs> in my kingdom, I got everything under control. In my kingdom, there, there are no indictments of presidents because this president does it all right. In, in my kingdom, there is no voting in or voting out. 
In my kingdom, there is no war in the sense that a civil war, an unrest among us. No, no, no. In, the, in this kingdom, there is economic security because this king provides for his people. He's a most loving and just ruler. We go in and out in safety, in the boundaries of his sheep pen, and in the boundaries of his shepherding love. You're safe. Your soul is safe in his land. You have peace with God. But he, later in John, he will warn us, though, as well as comfort us about this world, as we talk about this in and out. John 16, says, I've said, Jesus speaking, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, in our going in and out, we are going in and out in the world. Not the world system per se, but just in the world at large. In and out. Not in and out the church. Not in and out of the kingdom, but we are going about our daily affairs. Jesus said, as you are going, remember the Great Commission? Go and make disciples, literally, it's as you are going. So we're all, so we, as the people of God, as we go in and out, we are going about our lives, we're going about our callings, we're going to work, we're going to school, we're going into life, we're buying houses, we, we, we're buying cars, we're, we're, we're enjoying whatever economics we have, we're exploring God's creation. He says yes, yes to all of that. Go in and out in, in security, not in who's in the White House, but go in and out in security because of who is on the throne. Our security now is not determined by the American economy or American security. Now, don't get me wrong. Those things are important. I'm not saying they're not important at all. We're just saying that our security as the Lord's sheep is in the fact that he is reigning. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord. Do you remember what happened? Uzziah had reigned for 40 years. And when he died, the whole nation was thrown into turmoil. But, the, but, but God gave Isaiah a picture, a vision of who was really in charge of the nation who was in charge of the economy, who, who, who was the one who could bring real peace. When Uzziah dies, Isaiah sees the great shepherd, the good shepherd, the best shepherd, who is reigning over all things, and he is not even perturbed. Uzziah died, he loved him, but that don't stop the Lord's plan. Don't stop the Lord's plan. He's your good shepherd. Do you see him? We can, he says, then you can go in and out and find pasture. Find pasture. Now, listen, sheep never find pasture on their own. They follow the shepherd to pasture. I know, I know you got that already, right? Just want to be clear. He says, Philip Keller once again, owing to their timidity, Sheep will not lie down. Remember Psalm 23 says, says that we, he makes us lie down in green pastures? Read both those things. Read Psalm 23 and go back and read John 10 together this week and see what you see. He says, Keller again, Owing to the timidity, sheep will not lie down unless they are free of all fear. Free from all fear. 
free from friction with other sheep, free from pests, aggravations, and free from hunger. Sheep won't lie down in green pastures unless they're free from fear. And, but it all depends on the diligence of the shepherd. The shepherd has got to minister to his sheep so that they feel comfortable in the green pastures and they can eat and be full and they can have no fear and can, they can rest because they know there's somebody watching over them, watch this, who neither slumbers nor sleeps. Note that language in the Psalms. He that, King James, he that keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleep. He is the great shepherd. He's the ultimate shepherd. He never goes to sleep on the job like those Turkish shepherds I told you about early on in the message who, who let their sheep wander off while they were eating breakfast. Our shepherd never gets distracted. And so he can be there. You can rest at night. You can sleep. You, can, you, you, can, you, you don't have to live in fear and anxiety. Jesus, our good shepherd, seeks to calm our souls with his care of us. He speaks peace to our souls, reminding us that he, he is Emmanuel, always with us. He will deal with the pests and the aggravations in our lives by giving us more grace to sustain us. We are saved, satisfied, secure, and of service to him whenever, wherever the Lord leads us because he is that great shepherd who leads us in and out of the pen so that we can be safe. You see, this leads to the abundant life. This is what he's talking about. I have come, the, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full or have it abundantly. See, that's what he's talking about. This is the good life that Jesus offers. We are content in Jesus. My pastor, Dr. Boyce, talks about the word abundance. He shows from, from the Latin that how we get our English word abundance. From the Latin, it means to rise in waves, to overflow. It's like that word abundance, it's like the unceasing wave surges, hitting a beach or a river, fed by heavy rains, rising irresistibly into it, overflows its banks. The abundant life there is therefore one in which we are content in the knowledge that God's grace, his unearned, undeserved favor and kindness that he gives us, that's grace. We're aware that his grace is more than sufficient for our needs, that nothing can suppress his grace, and that God's grace, God's favor towards us is unending. Have you found contentment in your shepherd yet? That's a word we don't even use anymore. We don't even, we don't even use the word contentment in our speech. Because people are not content. The good life is just always future. It's always a little bit out of our reach. But for us who are sheep of the Lord Jesus, contentment is our birthright right now in whatever state you are in. Because it's not dependent upon economics, not dependent on how much stuff you have or where you live. Some of the most content people I know live in the hood, what we call the hood, because they have Jesus. They have the good shepherd.
and we're not content, and we don't live there. We live on nice tree-lined streets, many of us, and we just want more. We're not, we're missing it. We're missing it. We're missing what this shepherd wants to give us. When God's people begin to experience this contentment, we experience shalom, the peace of God, that, that big word that we like to throw around, shalom. It, was, it didn't mean, it wasn't about, it wasn't only merely about outward peace, it was inward satisfaction. It was, it was, it was, it was joy in our God. When you experience this peace and, and, and contentment and shalom and the pen of the Lord, they, they, it will affect and infect other areas of your life. It will, you will live, learn, linger, and work in contentment and peace. Your neighbors are not experiencing that contentment. And, and we who live in the pen with Jesus, we are meant to, 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 to display like, like, so that people will look across your fence. Look on, look on your porch or your deck and see you and know that there's something there. There's something missing. I don't have what they have. And, I, and they may have more of this world's treasure than you and, and, and house bigger than yours, nicer cars than you. And they're looking at you and recognizing I'm missing something. They've, and they've got it. What is it? We have a shepherd. We have a good shepherd. Moses says he was about to die, prayed God would raise up someone to shepherd his people in Numbers 27, 15 to 17. Moses spoke to the Lord saying, let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. Now, on the short stick, it was Joshua who followed right behind Moses and other leaders. But ultimately, you see it, it's right there in front of you. Ultimate, it had to be Jesus. It has to be. Moses said, yes, I'm talking about Jesus. He is that shepherd of the congregation. What does that tell you? That's it. You with me, Sarge? You see it. The congregation. Sheep don't do well by themselves. Sheep should be in a congregation. Sheep should be together with other sheep. That's why, this, that's why this, this choosing to do this stuff from home, video watching church, you're missing it. Amen. You're not in the pen. You're missing it. Sheep don't do well by themselves. We're, they're communal animals. That's, what, that's the great strength of sheep besides wool and mutton. <laughs> sheep need other sheep. They do well together. Even though there's problems, they still do well together. But they don't do well with friction with other sheep. That's why the great shepherd commands us to reconcile with each other. That's why it's not division in the body. Jesus hates it. He says, as a matter of fact, he promised to destroy folk who do it. 
the, the body of the pen has got to be at peace with each other. We have to fight for relationships. We have to fight, not each other, but fight for them. Fight for harmony. If you're not getting along with somebody in this church, you need, don't just sit there and go, it's on them. No, it's on you. Do all, do, as much as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. Do what you can. Just at some point, you have to, you can't do no more because some folk just won't, they just harden their hearts and won't listen. We know that. But, do, but have you done everything you can? The Harvard study I told you about bears witness to the importance of human connect connections. It shows that people who are more connected to family, to friends, to community are happier, physically healthier than people who are less well connected. People who are more isolated than they want to be find their health declining sooner than people who feel connected to others. Lonely people also live shorter lives. That's the study again. The Bible already knew this. We have to study it to figure it out. If we just went to the book, we'd already know. We need community. The good life is a life of relationships with God and with other sheep and with family, especially family who are fellow sheep. Are you living the good life yet? Are you still looking? Are you still looking? Have you been led astray? Have you been, have you been following the wrong voices and you're outside the pen looking in? You see, if we truly believe that life with Jesus in his pen as our shepherd was the good life, how would that impact how we spend our money? How would that impact where we choose to live? How would that impact what church we attended? How would that impact what we give our time to, etc.? You see, it's meant to, life with Jesus, it touches everything. But do you believe? You're living the good life right now with Jesus. If we really found our satisfaction and contentment in Jesus, we wouldn't be controlled by what others have or what the ads tell us we must have. We wouldn't kill ourselves or our families trying to climb the ladder of success. We'd be less tempted, not untempted, but less tempted in our sexuality to find expression outside of heterosexual marriage. We find blessing in being part of Christ's church, knowing and being known, knowing others and being known by them. This is life in the pen. But are you loitering at the door? Are you, are you at the door looking in, wondering if... I don't know. Are you, are you at the door? Are you debating about going in? Let me encourage you. Jesus is the best shepherd, best friend, best God savior you'll ever have, you'll ever know. Come on through the door. Trust in Jesus. Come on through the door. When you go in and out, for you who, do, who are sheep, how are you listening for the voice of the good shepherd so he can lead you to pasture? He'll lead you to pasture at work. He'll lead you to pastor at school. He'll lead you to pastor in recreation. He'll lead you to pastor wherever you are. The question is, are you listening for his voice? Or have you bought into the false ideologies that basically tell you you can save yourself? 
Basically tell you, get all you can before you die. <laughs> it don't work, y'all. We know it doesn't work. We've seen it time and time again. The rich and the famous are killing themselves. You, you think we learn. <laughs> you think we wake up and say, that's not the good life, evidently. And yet we still, in our own way, in your own way, our own way, we're still chasing behind the same poison pastures. Family, you have a good shepherd. Let him feed you. Let him satisfy you. You'll rise up and call me blessed if you do. You'll say, hey, Pastor Kevin, thank you. If you let Jesus blow your mind with his kindness and goodness. Elders, will you come now? We're running behind, of course, as always with me. Um, the, Psalm 23 says, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I wonder, is this part of that table? The table land was the place where the shepherd would go and prepare, on the high place would go and prepare the, the area. He would go and clean it up, make sure everything was good, move rocks, stones, all that stuff away so the sheep would get up there and they could just graze freely. It's like Jesus went ahead of us to prepare. He did it by dying because the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's how he prepares the way for us. This table shows us that tale. He's gone to prepare a place for you. He did it by dying and rising again. The good shepherd is feeding you at this table. Come, sheep of the Lord. Come, sheep of the Lord, and enjoy. And by the way, I'm a sheep too. Just a little darker than some of you. Come and feast upon Jesus. Come and be encouraged. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, this table is for you because you're a sheep. But if you don't know him as your savior, this table will hurt you. He warns us that we should, that if we eat and drink without discerning the body of the Lord, he says, that's why some of you are weak, some of you are sick, and some of you are dead. Don't play with this table. This table is for sheep. It's poison to anyone else. It's for sheep. Come and feast. Here, if you don't know the Lord right now, here's your call. Here's what he wants to do. He wants to draw you to himself. He wants to make you a sheep. He wants to bring you into the kingdom. Aren't you tired of wandering around in the desert? Come on. He wants you to come home. He wants to wrap his arm. He wants to grab you and bring you back into, the, into his pen and love on you and deal with those parasites that's been bothering you. He wants to, he wants to clean your wool. <laughs> He'll do it. He'll take care of all that stuff. You just need to know he's your shepherd. Will you surrender yourself to him today? I get no points for this. This is just between you and Jesus. But I'm loving, I'm, I'm begging you. Don't leave here without being a sheep. Don't leave this room until you've come to face to face with the living God. He's speaking to you now. Will you become the Lord's sheep and surrender your life to him? Father, as we come to this table, we come as limping sheep, aggravated sheep, Hurting sheep sometimes. Some of us are rejoicing sheep, leaping to this table. But some of us, Lord, we're just limping. But thank you that we're sheep. And we come that you would feed us, make us healthy, bind up our wounds, 
Pour oil on us. Cleanse us. Oh, Lord, we come to this table to feast upon Jesus. We know they don't, the elements don't become his actual body and blood, but we know spiritually he is present with us right now at this table to feed us, to help us. And so, Lord, we come for that help, so help, help us, Lord. And Father, if there's anyone here who's not one of your sheep, will you draw them? Will you, by your spirit, just, just Lord, just agitate them. Let them see this is true. Let them see this is not the, the preacher's words. These are your words from your book. Help them to see who Jesus is, please, and change their lives, even as you've changed mine and many others in this room. Here we are, Lord. Feed us now in Jesus' name. Amen.